welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, this is Ryan Brownlee with the American Baseball Coaches Association. So we've got a, a little bit of a lengthy episode here, uh, but it's a great one. So we wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit of a heads up here. So um, this is a little bit of a different episode for us. So in the beginning, we're going to have ABCA office members uh, give you tips about the convention. So please have your pen, pencil, paper ready to take notes because you're going to get some great information on what to expect at the convention and, and, and things that are going to help you enjoy your experience and make it a great experience for you down in Nashville. Then from there, we transition into the baseball side. And um, these are interviews that I did a little bit all over the country, some with Barnstormers events, and then one with the USA Baseball event down in South Carolina. So you're going to hear from a lot of different coaches. One, it will be tips for you guys coming to the ABCA convention. And then from there, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball. So it is a little bit of a baseball buffet. Uh, because I, I didn't want to just interview guys about the convention. And while I had them and had the opportunity, I wanted to ask them some baseball questions as well because uh, I felt like it would help everybody. So um, hopefully everybody had a great Christmas and hopefully I was safe. Happy New Year's. And please travel safe if you're coming to Nashville and uh, hopefully enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. All right, here with uh, Craig Kylitz, Executive Director of the ABCA, and again, we're talking about pro tips and uh, anything uh, for somebody that's showing up to Nashville, uh, anything that you feel like is going to, that they need to know when they're, when they're coming into Nashville here this year. Well, everything about the show revolves around education. So if it's our clinics, our expo theater, certainly the trade show, the hot stoves, the coaches meetings. All of it allows you to become a better coach and learn some things that you may know, may have forgotten, different ways to think about things. But the thing that I think is the most important aspect of the show is our fraternity of coaches. Get to know different coaches, reacquaint yourselves with people that you've known for a long time, but most importantly, establish a line of communication with great coaches around the country that you can bounce ideas off, that you can share some ideas, that you can uh, reinvent yourself, that you can ask questions about anything that deals with baseball or outside of baseball. The fraternity of coaches is what makes the ABCA truly special, and I'm probably most proud of what that's been able to bring to our great game. Yep. Um, anything else that you'd want to add in for anybody coming? Make sure you're there. Make sure you're there early and find your seat. And we wish we didn't have to have a cap. The only way we could do this thing right is to have a cap for so many reasons that we've explained that I don't want to go into. But it's going to be a show of shows, and I don't see it going away anytime soon as this momentum continues to build. Thank, thanks in part to our coaches for being a great part of our game. All right. Thanks, Craig, for coming on. I look forward to seeing you in Nashville. Yes, sir. We're here with uh, Zach Hale uh, here, office member of ABCA, uh, played college baseball at, at High Point, big time member here in the office and, and happy to have him. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep. We're covering pro tips here. This is right before uh, the new year, uh, right before the convention. So this is coming out December 31st uh, and you've been doing this for a while. Any tips that you have for somebody coming that's going to make their life easier? You guys have done this for a while. Any Anything that you can mention to, to anybody coming uh, that's going to make their life easier? Man, number one, I would say 
Uh, we send out these barcode emails. If you're registered, uh, you're actually getting one today. Um, so the 31st, so check your email inbox. Uh, we will send one the 16th and the 31st. And if you bring that up to registration, whether it's on your phone, your mobile device, or uh, print it out, you'll be able to just scan that and, and get on your way. Bring that up there, scan it. You'll get your registration materials and you'll be in and out in under a minute. So that's, I mean, that's pro tip number one for me. Nobody likes waiting in lines. You, you guys are excited. You, you're arriving, ready to get into the trade show, onto the clinics, whatever it may be. And that's, that's going to get you there the fastest. So I would say that's number one. Um, beyond that, obviously we, we released the new mobile app um, every year that I've been here. Uh, for the last five, we've had an app for the convention and now uh, it's all wrapped up into one thing. So if you haven't downloaded the MyABCA app, I'd say uh, definitely get in on that. If you haven't checked it out, uh, you'll go into the events section, be able to get into the convention, and then you're actually able to build your, your agenda, your can't miss clinics, uh, tag exhibitors that you wanna wanna see and really just build out your whole schedule for the weekend. Um, another, another feature that I'm excited about is you can connect with guys uh, right through the app. So always introduce yourself to, to new coaches that you may not know or uh, to speakers. And right there in the app, there's a, there's a near me feature. So you can find them if you're both in the app, uh, favorite them, and all of a sudden they're in your, in your network in the app and you guys can message, uh, keep notes about you know where they may be or, or how you met them if you need to follow up with them after the convention. Um, so that would be my, my pro tip number two, per se, is uh, get in the app, connect with guys through that. And then uh, really number three is just uh, always be on your A game. You know, you're asking your players, go to class, be on time uh, at the field, be ready to work. And it's, it's the same at the convention. So obviously everyone's excited. Uh, we have 7,100 coaches there this year. So the pro tip is get, get to where you're going early. If you want to want the best seat in the house, then get there early and uh, it's going to fill up. The great thing is we, we do have overflows. If you get there and you don't like your seat choice, head over to the overflow. You'll get, get to the front of that. Or if you're a youth coach that's looking forward to the youth session that actually Brownlee will be in and, and hanging out at with a bunch of good speakers there, we'll start each morning by streaming the, the clinics in there. So you guys can actually get there early, uh, watch Corb's presentation right in the youth session or watch uh, Matt Hobbs presentation right in the youth session and uh, and then have your seat for the rest of the day where you guys are are ready to go when when those first youth speakers uh, kick off. So uh, those would be my main things. And then obviously just have a good time. Uh, it's always fun on our end to uh, reconnect with the coaches. We're obviously talking to guys all year long, uh, whether it's via phone, Twitter, Brownlee getting guys on the podcast. It's it's fun to see you guys, so definitely say hey to us, and uh, we feed off your energy uh, just as much. So we appreciate everyone coming out there. All right, Zach, you crushed it. Thank you, my man. Have a great day. Thanks, man. You too. Pro tips here. I'm here with Jim Richardson, uh, my partner in crime on the Barnstormers events. Uh, Jim, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, Ryan. Thank Good. you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I appreciate all your help on the Barnstormers this fall. It's been tremendous. No doubt, man. It's been uh, it's been an awesome experience. We've had a lot of great speakers, a lot of great clinics. Got to see a lot of great baseball stadiums and fields. Yeah, no complaints, man. It's been awesome. What's been your What's been your favorite part of the Barnstormers? 
really just getting out and seeing other people's facilities, you know, getting out to see some of the Pac-12 schools, getting up to Washington, UCLA, uh, getting out to see San Jose State, getting all the way to go down to Florida. And um, it's amazing. It's a, it's a huge country. But, uh, yeah, baseball unites everybody. It does not feel that big. Um, when uh, when you're out there doing stuff like this regionally, so it's uh, it's been it's been tremendous. I think it's uh, that's my favorite part. It's just getting out and and meeting the members and yeah, seeing kind of what uh, what struggles they have, what they need help with, and uh, seeing how we can kind of try to help facilitate um, making things a little easier for them. You've been to how many conventions? Just offhand, how many conventions have you been to? Oh, geez. Um, See, I've been a member for 15 years, but when my first daughter was born, she was born on January 2nd, and 2012, and I believe that year it may have been in San Diego, and I know I missed that one. Um, obviously, I had to be there for the birth of the, the first child. Um, so I'm going to say, yeah, man, probably around 10 or so. If you had some advice for, you know, it may not even be a first timer. It may be somebody, because I know I always forget things, but it, it, just off the top of your head, if is there anything that just advice-wise uh, for those coming to Nashville, um, you know, is there anything that comes to the top of your head like, okay, this would be really good information for somebody that's coming to, to Nashville? Man, uh, off the top of my head, yeah. <laughs> Just going is the best advice I can give you. Going to anything and everything, uh, being present, uh, really only using the bed in the hotel room to sleep. But um, I can't. You know what? Uh, one uh, one little thing sticks out. Uh, years ago, I worked uh, at a Division two institution that wasn't uh, wasn't funded great. And uh, we came up with this idea where, uh, you know, we needed a pitching machine, we needed some helmets, and we needed this. And so we just brought some cash to the convention. This may not be the best advice, but, uh, yeah, and we wheeled and dealed with some of the vendors on the convention floor to buy some of their demos. So I was able to pick up a pitching machine, and I think we got about $700 off the pitching machine. So then, of course, we threw that into the automatic ball feeder that went with it. But we got a really good deal there. Um, and uh, we picked up some helmets as well. And uh, thankfully, it was close enough. It was actually at Nashville. And uh, we were able to load it back in the car that we drove down and bring it back up to school. So uh, so if you're looking for something, don't be afraid to wheel and deal because those guys do not want to pay to ship those big things back to their corporate headquarters. So that's my best advice, I guess. All right, and there you go. There you have it. That's a, a big-time pro tip there from Jim, Jim Richardson here, uh, Assistant Executive Director at the ABCA. So, Jim, I appreciate your time. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Yep. Everybody have a great day. Here we are, John Litchfield, um, a longtime member here, ABCA. Uh, I I think you're the general here in the in the office after I've been here for a while. So I appreciate everything that you you do for me, and uh, you've made my transition here to the ABCA great. But any recommendations that you have, or or you know, new things we've talked about, new things coming up here in Nashville. But anything that you can recommend for for anybody that's coming to Nashville this year? You know, it's the same venue, but we've done a lot since then to make sure everyone has a great experience and add to what we have. Uh, we're 
some of the things that I would focus on uh, that we've added and changed since the last time we were in the same venue. Uh, we've done huge upgrades to audio, the audio visual experience in the clinics. We've invested a lot more in that with the screens, speakers, everything else that's going on. Uh, we've got a better convention program so that you don't have all the loose ads and things like that in your uh, bag when you pick that up at registration. Uh, we're going to have overflow rooms of seating for 700 people this time that we didn't have last time. Um, we're going to actually, one thing that's going to be a new policy is we're going to only allow members in the clinic hall, no exhibitors or guests or anybody like that wasn't always a big problem, but now that we're at a max out situation, we don't want those people to be taking the seats of actual registered members of the ABCA. We've got a youth coaches session and expo theater now that add that much more uh, content and so much more for you to do while you're at the convention. We've got 44,000 more square feet of exhibit space since last time we were in Nashville. We've got the coaches social on Friday evening, and we've added four more hot stove sessions. In addition to the pitching and hitting, we have base running, uh, outfield, infield, and catching cool. uh, in the exhibit hall itself. And then the last thing that I'd leave you guys with is uh, we've really upped our signage game this year. Uh, Everyone talks about how they like to get lost in the opera land and walk around in circles. We're going to have a lot more signs around the whole place in general with arrows pointing you in the right direction for everything that's going on with the ABCA. So hopefully that'll be helpful for you. <laughs> and I, I need that as much as anybody, John. So I appreciate that. So and, do I. <laughs> so, and, and thanks again for coming on. appreciate all your hard work. So we'll, we'll see you here soon. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep. Got it. Here with Skylar Mead, uh, pitching coach, South Carolina Gamecocks. And um, Skylar, any recommendations for guys that are going to the convention for the first time? I know you've been to, to quite a few. Um, you're a great cl clinician. Um, you know, any, any tips that you would have, pro tips for guys that are going to, to Nashville this year? Anything to help them? I would, I would say first and foremost, regardless of whether you're a pitching guy, you pride yourself in info guy, hitting whatever, I would, I would see multiple speakers talk about a variety of things. Make sure you see the pro guys, the college guys, the high school guys. I think when you get into a mixture of that, maybe it's not something in your realm, but the more diversified you can be, I think the better for you and to get the most out of your experience. And, you know, last year you were on the main stage and, uh, you know, it was great watching you up there just because thought you kept things simple and you know even for a guy like me that had been to a, a ton of conventions I still pick things up and um, you know any recommendations that you would have any uh, youth youth parents youth players that are listening right now you have any recommendations for them I know there's a lot of information out there um, you know just kind of sift through anything out there that you would tell youth players or parents out there that are listening in I think in just in regards to the game of baseball, I think you have to still remember that if you want to be good at this sport, you have to be great at the simple. And so, you know, we can talk about elite level pitching and what they do and the analytics to all of it. But in the end, you got to be able to play great catch, play great catch and you develop arm strength. Maybe you have a great arm on the mound. If you have a great arm on the mound, you got to be able to actually pitch. You got to throw strikes, mix speeds. If you're a hitter, you got to first off you got to be able to have a swing and be have balance and athleticism if you do that then you got to hit a fastball if you can do that then you hit off speed i just think there's an evolution to everything and sometimes we forget at the at the ground level you just got to be good at the simple things it's just like basketball players don't walk in the gym when they're 8 years old and worry about dunking they worry about dribbling they worry about passing and they worry about the form on their shot and so i think sometimes baseball we we don't remember the grassroots of what makes you good at this game Okay, and last question. Um, 
you know, your guy, high pressure job, a uh, lot of road time recruiting, um, you know, what type of routines do you have, daily routines, could be morning routine, evening routine that you really like, that you feel like helps you energy level wise or sustain? Um, I think everybody's got those one or two things that they do every day that, that, that helps them. What do you have that, that you do every day that you really feel like helps you? Well, we've seen each other in workout rooms very early in the morning. I mean, I, I think for me, it, it, and this is just me and some of my close buddies, we're all this way, you like to get up and work out and just kind of get the mind going and feel like you're ahead of, ahead of the pack and what you're doing. Um, and I think when you, when you get up early and you start the day, it kind of gives you a buffer where if you need 10 minutes, 20 minutes break as the day goes on, you're, you're not falling behind. And you know, I think it's important that you do, you take care of yourself first and your body and, and your mind. And if you do that, then all of the work take care of itself on the back end. I really appreciate you jumping on here, Scholar. Thank you very much. No problem, thanks for having me. All right, sitting here with Dan Fitzgerald, recruiting coordinator at Dallas Baptist, um, and just finished up with the Barnstormers event here at, at DBU. Uh, appreciate you letting us come. Thank you, man. Thank Tremendous you. as always. Uh, you and I go way back, um, you know, almost 20 years now, yep. um, and you know, happy for the success you guys have had here. Talking about pro tips um, for the convention, you have somebody that's come to the convention in Nashville. What what can you tell them uh, that would help them? Well, it's yeah, I, I, we could talk forever on this, but I think the the big one is really be you know take it all in. Like there, if you want to visit Nashville and and uh, you know go see recording studios and the Grand Ole Opry, that's for a different trip because this is all baseball. And and I think to get there early and to uh, you know, obviously the speakers are tremendous, and, and really I try to go to, you know, 99% of them. And I think as a, as a young coach, there's a tendency to say, well, I don't work with outfielders or I don't work with infielders, but you never know what you're going to coach. You and I both know you stay in this long enough, you end up coaching everything uh, besides pitching. But um, <laughs> you end up coaching all of it. But uh, So I think taking in the speakers and, and then being strategic about the breakout sessions and um, you know, taking notes, you, you think you're going to remember everything, and, and uh, you know, and, and obviously now with being with the app and being able to take stuff right there and uh, the technology that we have, but um, I think just to to really look at it and, and think this is a baseball weekend, and, and honestly, uh, don't plan on getting a ton of sleep because the conversations that happen at night um, with friends and about baseball and about the speakers and. You know, we both know we've we've learned so much just in the conversations after the clinics, and you end up, you know, sitting around a dinner table late at night, and, and you're learning stuff. And so, yeah, for us, man, it's 20, 20 long years of, of really really fun conventions. So, yeah, I'd just take it all in, be present, and be there for baseball. Yep. And and you have kids, I have kids. Uh, for for any of the the youth parents or players that are are listening in right now. What recommendations do you have for, for a parent that's out there that maybe doesn't know much about baseball or, or even those that are in it for the first time? What, any recommendations out there for parents? Yeah, you know, I, I man, you know, three, three young boys, and, and for us, it's just they, we want them to be passionate about what they love, and if that happens to be baseball, that's great. And, and so putting them in some situations, I, I think that who their coach is really matters. You know, we've been really strategic about that with – you know, our the first experience that our boys had with baseball outside of <laughs> being around a field with us, you know, their whole life is just to be around quality people that are that are really going to invest. But I think that the simple part is when they're really young, make it fun and, and make it about the fundamentals. And 
um, you know, play catch when they want to play catch, and when they want to be done playing catch, be done. You know, I don't. Um, my oldest is nine. We're not doing weighted balls yet. You know, we're, no, <laughs> we're not doing a whole lot of that. But right now, just trying to keep it fun, and um, you know, really, I think if if you if you grow up loving the game, I think you know you can you can play forever. You know, you've been doing this for a long time, and you're really good on the player development side of it. What do you feel like has changed from a player development standpoint in the last, you know, 20 so years? You know, from where you were at when you first started to where it is now. What do you feel like's changed from a player development standpoint? Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, the technology. Obviously, it's it's we've gone from you know, back to when we played. I, I think you know, I I saw my swing maybe three times. You know, and and uh, very little video. Um, it was all about feel, and now I think it's every swing is recorded. Uh, you know, my kids have more video of their swings than I did my entire life combined. You know, it's it's incredible. So I think the technology um, has really changed things, and I think the way that people learn has changed. And so um, I think our our access to what is actually true about the swing or true about throwing has changed. But we've also it's just like anything. We swing too far, and then we kind of self-correct. And so, um, you know, we, we do know that right now, uh, you know, simple example, uh, think about ball flight. And so now in player development, it's about driving the ball and launch angle. And, and it's that, that there are some true things about that. But what hasn't changed is you still have to touch home plate. You still have to throw it in the strike zone. And so, you know, I think the changes, they ebb and flow. They, they seem to be really big, and then they self-correct, and really big and self-correct. But I think more than anything, the technology, um, and then just the way that people are able, like physically what is happening, where we're learning so much more about how to throw harder. Um, and, and that, you know, if you do X, Y, Z with weighted balls, um, you know, you will throw harder. Now, just like anything, you might throw harder and all of a sudden the command goes away. Uh, whereas, you know, a guy who solely works on command, maybe his velo goes down. So I think we're able to now put numbers on things and really quantify why things are happening. Whereas, you know, 25 years ago, you and me were in a cage, and if it, if it felt good, it felt good. Yeah. So I think we're able to quantify things more now. Yeah. And last question here before I let you go. Um, you know, you've had a lot of success. Do you have a fail-forward moment? Do you have something in the past that maybe you thought at the time, you know, I have a couple um, where maybe you thought was going to train wreck you and you look back now and maybe it was the best thing that ever happened to you? You know, and I know I have, I have a bunch when I was a young assistant, but do you have one that, that, that sticks out that, uh, that, you know what, uh, probably the best thing that happened to you at the time oh, you sure. thought it was going to be brutal? Sure, I, I have a thousand. <laughs> You know, I, I think back uh, to all the jobs I wanted and all the jobs I tried to get when I was young, and some of them, um, you know, I am, I am, I could not possibly um, write the script. If, if I, if the Lord gave me the option to rewrite the script, I wouldn't change a thing because of all those stops, you know, you're, um, you know, working for Todd Ryan at Nyack when we had, like, zero scholarship money and learning how to recruit with no money. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world at the time, you know, did I want to be a division one assistant? Absolutely. So I think I, there's not, well, there's certainly, I could talk about 10 probably really influential ones, but I think the big ones were um, just jobs that when you're young that you think you're ready for and you don't get, and at the time you're, you know, you're, you're really bummed out and you look back and just, it's so thankful because either one, 
you know, uh, how it worked out for me or two. I just wasn't ready. And so I think the way the Lord pieced it together in, in, in my career has been amazing. And uh, But, uh, yeah, it's it's jobs for sure, man. You, know, yeah. <laughs> you remember those days. Yep. And I, you know, I think back now that guys did me a favor by not hiring yes. me because if you get hired, you probably get fired. If, and, and that's what young guys need to understand yes. is, like, there's a certain timeline. And if you're ready, it doesn't matter age. If you're ready for a job, you're ready for a job. But yep. if you try to push that timeline too soon, you're going to be out of baseball well, at some there, point. There's no doubt. And, and I think, you know, any advice to, to young coaches out there, and we all have to remind ourselves of this. Heck, I still have to remind myself of this. But it's just nose down at the grindstone, work away, do a really good job where you're at. You know, we're certainly, you know, Wes talked about today, we're not promised tomorrow. So um, it's work really, really hard today. And, and uh, you know, if you do a good job where you're at, you know, it seems to work out. Yep. All right. Thanks, Fitz. Thanks, buddy. Here we are with Andrew Bartman, uh, Director of Coaching Development with USA Baseball and former ABCA employee. That's right, former youth liaison. Yep, welcome. Uh, we're actually here at South Carolina right now, uh, beautiful Founders Field. Uh, great place to be, but we're here for USA Baseball Community Clinic. That's right. And uh, wanted to get his uh, pro tips for the convention. He's a guy that's actually been behind the scenes and, and had to run the ABCA side of it. And um, he's a guy I, just, I wanted to ask, um, you know, if you have any tips out there for coaches that are coming to Nashville this year, uh, you know, what would you recommend? Oh, man, where to begin? Um, I would start by saying make sure you have an open mind, uh, especially in today's learning climate um, as, it, as it relates to baseball coaching. Have an open mind. Try to, try to take something away from everybody. Uh, a lot of the best baseball coaches will tell you that they don't have a lot of original thoughts. They steal it from somebody else um, and, and use it to their, to their benefit. So even if, uh, even if it's not a position you coach, sit in on those sessions, uh, pick the brains of guys as you're walking down the hallway. If you want to stop and ask someone a question, even if you don't know who that, if, if they don't know who you are, but you know them, Stop them. It's a. It's the ultimate learning environment. It's it's baseball Disneyland, and it's the greatest place in the world for four days. And there you have it, coaches from a veteran coach, and now running USA Baseball. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Ryan. Here with Dan Hefner, head baseball coach at Dallas Baptist, uh, here for the Barnstormers event. So thanks for having us. Uh, means a lot. So thanks for having us here. You bet. Huge honor to have all the coaches on campus and uh, to be a part of the ABCA. It's been a huge part of my career, and um, just to be now actively involved in it is a is yeah. an honor. And you know, you're a great clinician. Uh, you've been on the main stage, and did want to ask. Uh, we're doing a pro tips, so I'm going to ask different coaches like some tips for the convention. If you had a couple for guys that are showing up, what would they what 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 would they be for guys coming to the convention? My number one tip and one where I've probably gotten the most is I, I go to the clinics. Um, you know, I actually start, my first convention was my junior year in college. Knew I wanted to coach and the coach Elliot Johnson at Olivet Nazarene, he took me with him to the convention for my junior and senior year. So I've been going for a long time now and would always go to the clinics. And, and I kind of started to notice like, man, there's some really good coaches that are going and listening to these clinics and kind of just seeing that and just I think the mindset of you can always learn everybody who's up there talking they're up there for a reason and there's something I can take away from them so I'll go to a ton of them but um, probably my favorite thing is the breakout afterwards you know if, if there's somebody where I'm, I'm really getting some good stuff from them I'm going to that breakout because um, you know they had to condense it down so much to get it within their presentation time but then to kind of get the real them and, and 
and the rationale behind it and asking follow-up questions. Um, gotten some, some pretty neat nuggets from those and, and getting to see a coach like what they're really like too. So that's probably been my favorite thing and the conventions through the years where, you know, things that we still do today where a lot of those things were taken from breakout sessions. And, and we're actually filming them for the first time this year as a, as a nice addition. Um, I remember it was a couple years ago, uh, Jim Schlossnagel talked about on the main stage about recruiting and I went to his breakout session and asked about about uh, fundraising stuff, and it was amazing the the information I got from him on the fundraising side of things because he had to do that before he got to TCU. So, hmm. um, if any recommendations for youth parents or or players that are listening in right now, you have kids, um, you know, are there any suggestions or recommendations for youth parents or players that are listening in right now? One, I think you just got to, I think the number one thing is if they're going to be good in baseball or in any sport, they have to love it and they have to enjoy it. So are we doing things as parents? Like, I think it's, it's so easy for us to, to want to see them succeed. And we probably know some things and have seen some things in our lifetime of just the work ethic it takes and, and those type of things. And sometimes it's real easy. And, you know, I've, I've been at fault of this myself and I see parents do it all the time where we're pushing it. And, um, I think the one thing I've learned is if they're going to be great, it's got to come from within. So I think our greatest role as a parent then is to make it fun for them, make it enjoyable to where they want to play then. Um, and, th and there's a time where the, the day when they don't, and maybe we do have to, to push a little bit, but how can we make practice enjoyable? How can we make training enjoyable? How do we make the games enjoyable for them? Um, and recognizing they're, they're not going to be perfect. They're going to make mistakes and, and letting them do that and letting them know that I enjoy watching you play no matter how the game goes. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of preaching to myself here, but that's the big thing I'm trying to do with our kids is I want you to enjoy it. I want you to learn work ethic, discipline, humility, being a great teammate. It's not all about just the result on the field. It's how did you carry yourself? How did you treat your teammates? How did you respond when you're not doing well? Um, how did you how did you interact with the coach so I think that's another one is the um, you know coaches are going to do some things that maybe you don't agree with you know I do things you know that I don't agree with myself I'll, I'll second guess myself at times after games not at times a lot um, so a youth coach is going to make mistakes and I think just knowing that that's going to happen and that's a good thing like for a you know for my sons to be able to, to work through that and me not to second guess them I think it was Maybe Mike Matheny, I think reading in his one of book one of his books, like the coach is always right even when they're wrong, um, and I think that's kind of a good mindset to have when when my kids are in youth sports is not to second guess the coach in front of my kids and just to try to create that respect for authority and um, you know, yeah. So those would be a couple things. It, to me, it just revolves around using the game for more than just there. There's so much more to life than just the game, and it's. You know what's more important what you accomplish or who you become and when we're playing sports we're getting to work on both of those things we do want to accomplish we do want our kids to be great and um, but more important is who they who they're becoming in the process and there's so many opportunities to talk about those things and do it in an environment where they can enjoy it and and then that's when they're going to get good at it is when they start putting the hours in when we're not asking them to yeah and you know we've got new coaches that are probably listening in um you know is there one thing over the years that that you would go back and, and change if you could go back and change one thing and it may be nothing you've had a great career you're a great assistant you're a great head coach you know do you have anything that looking back now that is there one thing that you would go back and change if you had an opportunity to and 
maybe it's nothing? Um, you know, honestly, I, I felt like all along the road, you know, you're just seeking to do the best job wherever you're at. Um, I've been so fortunate that I've been around really, really good people. You know, I started coaching with Rick Heller at the University of Northern Iowa. So I spent my first two years with him. He's a phenomenal coach. So just getting to learn from a person like that and then going on to Ed Service and then coming down here to DBU um, and all the people that I've been able to work with here. So, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of things I would honestly want to change about my career. I, you know, I, I became a head coach pretty young, which was, it, it was a blessing, but I can also see a big benefit in, you know, when you're an assistant and just to be able to learn, you know, you kind of, learn some things the hard way when, when you get that opportunity when you're young, which was good. Um, so honestly, I, my mindset every single day is just to show up and put your nose down, grind it out, do the best job with what I have right now. And, you know, you look back and there's some things where it's like, man, I, knowing what I know now, you know, I, I wouldn't have done it that way then, but I did the best job with what I knew at the time. So, um, yeah, I could probably pick some things like from a you know, maybe the way we used to do throwing program or the way we used to do this and that, like I'd do it differently now, but just as far as the approach to the game and who I've been able to work with and um, have never, you know, been looking for jobs or anything like that or tried to, to jump around. So, um, but again, I had some great mentors that kind of helped me with those decisions. So. Exactly. And any, I love asking this question, um, you've had a ton of success. Are there any daily routines that you do that you really like, whether it's a morning or evening routine, you know? Yeah, I, I think the routines are everything. We talk to our players about that, and I think we have to lead the way in it. And, you know, self-discipline is, is so important for a, for a player, but again, like, that starts with us. So I think I've got, yeah, some pretty, I'm not gonna call them strict routines, because I enjoy them too. Yeah. You grow to enjoy them, but, you know, I'm, I'm gonna get up early every day, and I, I spend some time you know, faith is a big thing for me so that I start my day with that. I work out every morning. So before I get to the ballpark, like I feel like I've, I've really accomplished a lot of things. And I've, I've set myself in a position to now be in a, a good place to start the day. You know, physically, I think physical, taking care of ourselves physically is a huge deal. You know, getting enough sleep, eating right, exercising, because that's going to impact how I treat my players. One, I want to I model what I'm expecting from them. So if if we're saying, hey, how you eat and how you carry yourself and self-discipline and all these things are important, then you know, we wanna, we wanna kinda look the part and model that for them. But more important than even the modeling, I think, is I've recognized how that impacts the way I, I feel and then the way you treat people. So I think that's why it's so important to um, take care of ourselves physically is because it's gonna help us treat people better. And I, I look at um, you know people who are you know, high the quote unquote high energy guys. And, you know, like we're doing the barnstormers here and Wes Johnson let us off this morning and, you know, perfect person to start it off with because there's nobody with more energy than him. And, and anytime you see somebody that's high energy, they take care of themselves. Yeah. And they're kind of doing those things that we're asking from our athletes. And I think that's not a surprise. Like, you know, what came first? You had the energy to work out or you're working out on a consistent basis and that's why you have energy day in and day out. So for sure, there's, there's routines all through the day and um, have had to get even better with those just as like our program has grown and there's more, you know, more staff and the more demands and all those type of things have to be more refined about just having routines of getting the practice plan done at a certain time and 
being more efficient as far from a time management standpoint. Um, so it, it's really interesting. All the things we teach our players from time management, going to class, and you've got to have a routine and a schedule and stick to your schedule. Like they apply to us exactly the same. What do you use for a planner? I mean, when you talk about time management, how do, how, what do you actually use? What tools do you use to manage your time? So what are you using on a daily basis to manage your time? I just, you know, I used to do it on paper where I'd have the, you know, just the hours and I'd, I'd do it by half hour increments um, and do it that way. But now the easiest is just on the phone because now when something pops up, I can just schedule it in there. Um, that's one thing I've been learning is not to work off a to-do list, but to work off your schedule. Um, and then, so if, if I need to do something, I need to put it into the schedule and then it's going to get done instead of writing a list out of here's what I'd like to get done. I'm, I'm with you. If it's not in my calendar, like it doesn't exist. So mm -hmm. it el eliminates things in, in a good way. So, um, you know, you're, you're big on player development. You and I just talked about that. You know, I know everybody focuses on the, the arm care for the, the pitchers. Can you talk about a little bit, last question here, can you talk about arm care for the position player side of things? Sure. I think it's, I think it's hugely important. We've been doing it for years to be a great defensive team, to be a great defensive player. We've, we've all said it. You got to be able to play catch. Um, you got to catch and throw the baseball. So we want to, we need to be able to do that a lot too, and get as many reps in as possible. Like um, I think about working with infielders now and, you know, taking ground balls is great, but the ground ball combined with the throw, that's what we do in a game. So how many times can we do that? And the way we can do it more is if we take care of our arms so they feel good. Um, so yeah, we've developed a routine there and kind of pulled from different people. Like we have our position players every day before they throw, they do the crossover symmetry, um, crossover symmetry warm up, And then we go into some, some weighted ball throws, kind of a modified hybrid version of what a lot of the pitchers do, where we're going to do some reverse throws. We're going to do some, um, a few forward throws and those are not high intensity, but I think they're good from a you know, from an arm shape standpoint and, and keeping them, because I, I think that's something that gets neglected with position players a lot too, is the arm action is really, really important, you know, for your, for all of them, infielders, catchers, but our outfielders as well. And I think some of those weighted ball things we're doing is helping clean up arm action, get arm action short and, and to a point where they're not going to get hurt too. And now we go out into our, into our throw. So we've spent 10 minutes getting the arm ready to go doing a few things to work on arm action. And now we're gonna go out and throw. And we've, we've got a few things we do during the throwing program, but it's, it's kind of a, again, a modified Jaeger long toss program. You know, where it's, it's not dictated, we're not telling them throw this, this many at this distance, it's, it's by day and getting them to feel that and what is your arm feel. But we, we do kind of push them to stretch it out, build a vol volume and a base so when they first get to us in the fall, um, we are going to kind of push the distance a little bit and make them throw longer than they're used to throwing, you know, just to go throw for 15 minutes. And there are a lot of them when they first come, you know, they'll throw seven minutes and they think they're done. And just to get, get that volume and base, get them going, stretch it out. Um, and then like Jaeger teaches to, to pull down then finish by pulling down. And then that's where we turn it into a kind of position specific on the different footworks based on what position you're playing and finish off with some real, um, specific positional stuff and then it just flows right into you know when you're planning your team practice where you go through all that throwing stuff and then we're going to have our heavy throwing right after that so if we're doing cuts and relays that's immediately after the throwing program um, but yeah it's 
nobody likes being hurt. And, you know, I had an arm injury myself as a player, so maybe that's why I'm so aware of what we're doing to keep them healthy and then how to, how to get those throws in during practice as well so that they're staying fresh and can, can make a lot of throws day in and day out. I appreciate it, and thanks for the time, and hopefully see you in Nashville. Thank you. All right, here with Mike Current, Director of Player Development for South Carolina. Uh, welcome, Coach Current. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. Um, Mike and I go way back, so he's proud of him. He's been at every level of college baseball, and now he's at the premier level here. Um, and just talking about the convention here, um, any recommendations for, for somebody that's going to the convention? Uh, you know, anything that, that jumps off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, I would say the two things. Um, you know, obviously the speakers are awesome. Um, you can learn a ton there. And uh, the, the biggest thing with the speakers is I would encourage you, like, if you're a hitting guy, like, don't be afraid to go to the, the pitching stuff. Or if you're a pitching guy, don't be afraid to go to the hitting stuff. I think that was one of the big, biggest things I always got out of the convention was, you know, just getting, like, a, becoming a more well-rounded coach, getting some exposure to some of the stuff that you don't deal with every single day. Um, so that, that would be the first thing. And then the second thing would be, um, you know, just take advantage. There's, what, 7,000 coaches are going to be at the convention this year. Um, it's a great opportunity to network and, and meet people, um, which, which obviously can help you in your career potentially. But I think more importantly, just in terms of just talking the game, you know, and learn, learning from people that, that have been in the game for a long time. Um, I mean, there's 7,000 people there that, that know a lot of stuff. And, and so I think there's a ton of opportunity to grow as a coach. Um. You know, and, and you've been at all levels of college baseball, and what do you feel like over the years has changed from a player development side? I mean, that's your, your job title right now. What do you feel like has changed? Well, I think the, the thing that really jumps out is just the technology. Yeah. Um, you know, I think most people that, that are paying attention to, to baseball probably kind of know that. Um, obviously, we're seeing it at the big league level. I mean, there's been a ton of talk about, you know, analytics and how it's changed the game. and. You know, I think we can go all the way back to, uh, you know, when Moneyball came out. And, you know, that was kind of the start of all of it. But, um, you know, that was really just kind of looking at, uh, you know, a new way to evaluate players. You know, now we're, we're in a whole new world where, you know, it's not just about evaluating players, but how do we get players better? And how do we take the technology that we have? And how can we use that to, to help us be better coaches? Um, and, you know, I think it's one of those things where that's where the game is going. And so I think... If you're if you're in the game, especially at the higher levels of the game, you know whether it be high school or, or at the college level, or of course at the pro level, and you're not, you know, un- understanding and learning about this stuff, then you're you're getting left behind. For someone that doesn't have great feel for for that side of things, one maybe resource if if you're going to jump in, like say you don't know hardly anything about that side of it, if you're going to jump in on one piece of technology. Where would you start first? That's a tough question. Um, I mean, for at, at our level, I mean, the the TrackMan stuff is awesome. Uh, obviously, the majority of people, you know, your average high school coach is not going to have yep. TrackMan at his field. Um, but I, I mean, I I don't know that I would say that there there's necessarily one thing because I mean, like from the pitching side, I would probably say in terms of what's realistic for most coaches, Rap Soto. Um, I mean, that's probably the closest you're going to get to TrackMan without the huge expense of TrackMan. Um, and so I think from, from the pitching side of things, um, that, that would probably be the place I would start. If I, if I were a high school coach and I were wanting to, you know, to, to have access to some of that, that data, um, that's probably where I'd go. And I think that's 
you know, probably within reach for, for a high school program. Um, you know, from a hitting side, obviously Rapsodo now has a hitting unit as well. Um, we don't have that, so I'm not, I'm not super familiar with it, um, but I've heard good things. Um, you know, the blast sensors are awesome. Um, and, you know, I think that those are probably maybe a little bit more realistic um, for, for the high school coach or the even maybe at the, the low, little lower level than that. When you're going through your blast stuff, what are a couple of the metrics that you're really paying attention to with guys to, to help them? So I'd say that there's like probably three or four that, that we kind of focus on more than other. Uh, more than others. Um, I would say uh, the connection metric where you're, where you're looking specifically at early connection um, and connection at contact, um, that, that's a big one. Um, early connection especially, um, just because I think, that's, I think that's an easy adjustment for a hitter to make um, if you see issues there. Um, so I, I, that's definitely one. Um, the rotational let me, acceleration. Let me stop you there. With early connection, what type of drills are you doing with guys to help with early connection? So I, not necessarily, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say there are specific drills, but um, I mean, essentially what, what early connection is looking at is it's looking at the relationship between the, the, bar the barrel of your bat and your torso. Um, and so it's, it's looking at the angle there. So ideally you want to be really close to 90, both at the, at the launch of your swing and at contact. Um, and so, you know, what you'll see with a lot of hitters is they tend to be, have an angle that's too big. It's bigger than 90. Um, and, and you can get away with being a little bit over 90, but you want to be close. Um, but if you've got a guy that's at, you know, 110, you know, he's, he's basically launching his swing with a really vertical bat, which makes it really difficult for him to get on plane. He's going to come in pretty steep. He's not going to be, barrel's not going to be in the zone as long. Um, and so that, to, to me, that's one of the things that, that's a little bit easier to address because it, it happens early enough in the swing that the hitter can kind of feel it. So I think it's one of those things where you might look at, you know, where the, you, you actually go back to the stance and see like, okay, where's this guy starting? Um, can we adjust that and maybe, maybe get him in, into a better position when he gets to the hitting position and he's about ready to fire? Um, so I, I don't know that we necessarily have a specific drill that we go to, but um, I think that you can, like if you go to video, you can see it really easy on the video. It's easy for guys to understand. And I think it's, it's early enough in the swing that they can feel it. And so I think just by simply making them aware of it, yep. um, you know, guys have a chance to, to make an adjustment there. Perfect. Um, all right, last question here before I, I let you go, and I appreciate this. Any recommendations out there for youth parents or, or players that are listening in right now? Um, you know, and, and you've got younger kids, I've got older kids. Anything that you could give out there tips-wise from a, a youth standpoint, anybody that's going through baseball right now? Yeah, I would say two things. Uh, the first one is keep it simple. Um, I just think, you know, again, I know we, we were, I just get done talking about early connection, right? You know, yeah, but set up and but, set up and it, launch position yeah, are our historical things. I just think you know the longer that I've been in coaching, the more that I've I've learned is it, it's great to understand all this complex stuff. But if you can't communicate it in a very simple way that that players can actually take that information and do something with, you know, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter what you know if you can't communicate it. And I, I just think I, I just see all the stuff that's out there on Twitter right now. And there's a, look, there's a ton of great information out there, but sometimes it, it's just, it's too much. And, and so I just think, you know, keeping it as simple as possible for those younger players uh, is important. And then the other thing is just keep the game fun, uh, have fun. I mean, yeah, I think that the thing about baseball and the reason that you see 
so many kids go away from baseball and go to other sports is just because they're, I mean, it's a game of failure. It's it's a hard game. And when you've got kids that are five, six, seven years old trying to play a game that's already difficult to begin with, you know, it's it, they're gonna they're gonna struggle, and so we've got to find ways to make sure that they're having fun and enjoying themselves, and then they're gonna continue to play. And if we can do that, I mean, if you're coaching at the little league level, if if you're if, if every kid that plays for you plays again the next year, then you've accomplished a huge part of what your job is, in my opinion. All right, Mike, I appreciate it, and best of luck this year, and hopefully see you in Nashville. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yep. Uh, here with uh, Chris Ermis, assistant St. Mary's here down in San Antonio. Appreciate you having us. Um, 23 years you've been here with the program. Yeah, I lose count sometimes. But <laughs> basically, when people ask me, I tell them my whole adult life. So yep, and that covers it. You know, that that's a credit to you. Um, not the easiest thing in the world to be at a place, but, you, you know, you guys have done a good job here. Mm -hmm. And you see the sign out front. You won a national championship in 2001. We try. <laughs> yep, and um, you do have a beautiful setup here, and uh, that's the amazing thing for me is there's so many places around the country that have great situations, mm -hmm. and uh, you and I talked a little bit about the convention here. If you have any pro tips for guys that are coming to Nashville this year, you mm -hmm. know, what would it be, you know, any tips for, for well, guys num coming? Number one is, uh, you know, get through the itinerary and find out what you really want to see and make sure you map it out. I mean, I know that's something I, every time I go – I try to do a good job and map out the things I want to see, but where I always get messed up is after watching the presentation and then the Q&A session afterwards when you have back to back. I mean, all the speakers do a great job and you never want to miss anything. And, and so that's where you got to weigh, weigh out your options there, you know. So I don't know how you can make that better without having the Q&A session be part of the actual stage deal. Yeah, and, and for, for guys that don't know, this year we are actually filming the Q&A for the first time. So oh, Baseball okay. Coaches Insider is going to do that because that's been a, you know, hopefully coaches understand that after the convention, um, we do send out a question and air, and, <laughs> and it is a big deal for guys to respond back. So some of the things that are adjusted this year is, we are going to film the Q&A, okay. um, and, and that was part of the reason that we did cap the event is because of lines were long last year to get food in Dallas. So, mm, yeah. you know, again, we're trying to make this event as, as good as we can for the coaches sure. that show up. So I learned a lot from the Q&A sessions that I would mm -hmm. go to, um, and, and I think that's been, a, that's been a thing that guys have brought up every year is, hey, can we get the Q&As filmed? And How so we we're going to do that this year. So. You know, again, don't feel like you, you're going to miss anything. That's Good. for guys that are coming. It's um, Again, that's just a nice perk um, with the, the event. The other, uh, are you going to film, you had the open, uh, the lobby sessions too. Yeah, yep, you know, yep. That, so those are filmed yep, last Everything's right? going to start, Good. everything's getting filmed this year. So again, that, that helps, you know, for guys that are, are coming, don't feel like you got to scramble to get to mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, and then the other thing is for people that aren't able to make it, we are live streaming this year for the first time. So, you know, for those that get there, great. And then people that mm. can't get there, that's going to be something that's, yeah, okay. yep, yep. So that's great. Um, you know, you, you've been coaching pitchers for a long time mm -hmm. now. What do you feel like has changed um, from when you started with coaching pitchers to now coaching pitchers, if anything? And it may be nothing, but do you feel like what's changed from coaching pitchers you know, in the early 2000s, late 1990s mm -hmm. to now, what do you feel like has changed with coaching pitchers? Well, you know, I think the type of guys that we try to recruit, they, they, 
they need to, there needs to be a self-motivation factor to it. I mean, that's, uh, it, I think one of the things that, you know, gets lost sometimes, especially with our kids, is they don't always understand that the way they get better is what they're doing when we're not watching, you know, and so trying to implement that culture. In terms of the actual training methods, I mean, where we've gone from, you know, Tom House to, you know, Wolford to Driveline, all these different aspects and seeing in our business, you know, being Division Two, we feel like you know, we're getting a Division One bounce backs, you know, we get the JUCO players. We'd love to have the, the top high school guys come through here, but oftentimes those guys are wanting to go Division One, And so we have them for a short period of time. And so it, to me, when I have guys come in, they come from all different walks of life, and so they're doing different types of weighted ball training. You know, a lot of guys, they all seem to be doing the Jager Band program yeah. now. You know, we, we did crossover symmetry for years, and, uh, and so now we have both of those going. Um, but I want the guy to be comfortable in what they're doing in terms of arm strengthening, and really more so on any kind of weighted ball work. You know, I don't force feed any of that stuff on them if they want to do it they're comfortable with it because I am flipping them over quicker and you know I may only have them for a year and so if there's a comfort zone there I don't want to reinvent the wheel on that aspect and so we've had guys and and me to me in my opinion the you know the peer the the peer relationship that they have they learn from each other you know and so if I have a guy who comes in here who's a full-fledged driveline guy okay I want you at least spoon feed some of it to guys if they're comfortable with it hey go for it you know but I wouldn't classify us as a driveline school but we have guys that they dabble you know and so my constants are always going to be in terms of the band work that we do with Jager bands and crossover symmetry we long toss and then our bullpens the way they're set up the bullpens to me they're all scripted out and, and I'm specific in what I want them to do uh, uh, from a bullpen standpoint because I call a lot of the pitches you know oftentimes once I have a, a, you know, if we have a catcher that I'm really comfortable with, and I, I assure you, I don't have rocket science sequences at all, but there's a handful of them. Once they see where the road is going, I turn them loose. You know, our pitchers, I want them to have ownership in some of the pitches that they call, especially when they get to the two strike counts. Because on given days, you know, maybe their slider is not a wipeout variety, but their elevated fastball are extremely confident that they can get it by guys or pinpoint it and, and execute. And so I want them to take ownership in that in that regards. But it goes back to bullpens. How are we working at bullpens? Bullpens, there have to be a segment of them that are maximum intensity and effort levels. It's not that we throw a 100-pitch bullpen, but if we're throwing a, you know, 35, 45, 55-pitch bullpen, I want, that, and to, I want them to try to duplicate game speed intensity as much as possible. Yep. You know, and, and with your starters, if they're on that seven-day schedule, mm -hmm. um, you know, are you okay with them? Is it one bullpen a week? Is it two bullpens a week once you get in season? And then is it all competitive bullpens? Are there training bullpens? You know, take us sure. through a little bit on that side, you know, with, with the schedule, with, especially with your starters. Well, one of the things now is the way, you know, with us merging into the Lone Star this year, I mean, it's a giant conference. We have no midweek games. Okay. And so we're on Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedules. So we're gonna be able to train the majority of our staff the same way. And so, to me, two bullpens a week, that, that has to be there. You know, the first bullpen earlier in the week, you know, whether it's the Monday, Tuesday, depending on where that starter falls, or even, you know, maybe your frontline bullpen guys who will show on Friday night, those guys that probably need to do their heavy bullpen on Monday. 
And our heavy bullpens, are, it's a three-phase bullpen. We'll have a fastball segment, which is 20 to 24 pitches, and I have them sit down. I have them sit down, their partner gets up. That way, because I'm not training them to throw 40, 45 in a row. They're not going to get that opportunity in a game. You know, so. You hope not. <laughs> right, you know. And so unless defense is really bad that day. But, uh, you know, so we'll train, we'll go fastball segment, sit down, come back up, and then they work on their non-fastball segment. If they're feeling good at that point, they've thrown, you know, four dozen pitches. And if they do a third phase, that's a sequence phase. Them, the pitcher and the catcher will dictate what type of hitter they're facing, and they'll call their sequences. They can go through it. They'll do three to five. Just kind of depends on the day. So what I and and I got this from I had a short cup of coffee in pro ball back when. But one of the things you know I was never uh, accused of being a control guy, and so I had a pitching coach that always when I was in the starting role. He always made me uh, do all my non-fastball work the day before, just to get a feel for my breaking ball, whether it was slider, curveball, change, whatever it was, and then finish with some blow-me-up fastballs. So I call those touch-and-feel days. And so I like my guys to get into a routine of the day before, especially on the starters, day before that they're going to pitch, that we at least get downhill, and it's a touch-and-feel, 15 to 20 pitches, and we get out. And so I think a point of emphasis big is, that's really big with our guys, I make them work out of stretch a lot. A lot, you know, and uh, so that, I mean, that's that's where you make your money, yeah. right there. You make your money in the stretch and crunch time, and you know, runners in scoring position. We got to be able to execute, and so that's a point of emphasis. What about pregame? So take with your starter. You know, obviously they get they get warmed up. You mm -hmm. know, whatever they're going to do, warm up. What, what do you do pre? What do you like for your guys to do pregame bullpen wise? Uh, pre pregame bullpen, and uh, for a number of years, I've taken I put myself in the bullpen catcher's role. I like, I like to warm up with the pitchers. My arm still works. Yep. You know, I'm 49, and, and I can still play catch. The long toss is getting away from me now. Now I'm having to bounce it, you know, get it there. I used to have to fung <laughs> And so, so and, but the, the reason behind it is that I want my pitchers to understand that your job doesn't start the moment the game starts. It's 45 minutes. Whenever, you know, they feel comfortable to start their warm-up, whether it's a, they're a 35-minute guy or 45-minute guy beforehand, I want them to know that, hey, it's business. We're on already. And, and they're not jacking around when I'm out there. And, and for the most part, we don't run into that. But I just want to take that out of the equation. So I'll, I'll make sure I'm down there with those guys. Um, the bullpen aspect, <clears throat> I don't have a script on that. You know, I want them to get what they need to be ready to go. And I want them to, to time it to where they're able to come in the dugout, get a drink of water, and actually sit down for a minute or two, and then we go. You know, so we always, you know, naturally, and and when we're at home, uh, you know, because we're starting the top of the first inning. Once we see the umpires come out, we know we should be ready. We're in the dugout already. So that umpires meeting and then the anthem, that's enough downtime to where okay, now we can get cranked up and go compete. Yeah. And, um, you know, you and I have talked on the phone, you know, you have kids, I have got kids, mm -hmm. um, you know, any recommendations out there for youth coaches or youth parents or, or players that are listening in right now? Do you have any recommendations for, for the oh, youth side of it? I have a bunch. Well, I mean, we can get into I have a bunch. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, I have twin boys. They're freshmen in high school now. Yep. And um, they're young freshmen. And so their little league experience just ended you know the all-star run and all that kind of stuff and and one of the things uh i think is extremely important and, and it's got to start when these kids are at eight nine ten years old 
making them understand that band work, stretching, and the way we warm up is, is just all part of the deal. Yeah. And not that, not hey, okay, I'll show up. You know, and parents have to understand this too. We have to get our children to the games earlier, or get them if. And you know, in in my experience, you know, if if I had a a coach that that it wasn't a a, a priority yep. to do arm care before they actually step on the field, well, then you need to get your kids at the park 20 minutes, 30 minutes earlier, yep. so that they have that opportunity to do that, as opposed to oftentimes just walking by the ball bucket and boom, we start throwing. And so I think that's huge if we can get the young kids to understand that hey, wait a minute, I can't start throwing yet because I haven't done this and this and this. And I think if we can kind of create that kind of culture, I mean, it's a high stress, uh, you know, uh, deal throwing a baseball yeah. at max effort. I mean, you know, and anything that we can try to do to maybe prevent some of these injuries that young kids are seeing right away. And, and you know, I, I think like with my boys, I know, and they're different. They're not identical twins. One of them will not pick up a baseball until the band work is done. The other one, he sees his brother, okay, yeah, it's kind of a reminder, all right, I need to take care of this. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Band work, stretch, and we make sure that we throw properly. Yeah, if, if you can get young kids into proper habits at mm -hmm. an early age, that's gonna carry over to when they actually do need it. They may not need it as a six, seven, or eight year old, no. but, but you're developing good habits for those kids at a young age. And that, just okay, exposure. we're gonna get our body moving, mm -hmm. we're gonna warm up properly before we start playing catch. Oh, absolutely. That's something that carries over. If hopefully they get to play in high school or college mm -hmm. or professionally, all those good habits are, are set up for them. You know, and, and I think when, you know, like especially with my boys getting to see these kids, you know, their teammates, and and uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's a different environment, I think, for them because they have to be I have to be careful you know with them you know I don't I certainly don't want to be the helicopter dad but it's also you know I have a card in my back pocket I can play it's like okay this is my business and so I want to make sure that not just I want my kids to be healthy but I want all their teammates to be yes. healthy too you yep. know and so if they can all kind of learn that and grab bits and pieces of it it's like you know doing um, you know we <clears throat> talked earlier I used to do these showcases around the country <clears throat> and it's just you, you and those were dealing with high school guys and I always would tell them in terms of from a recruiting standpoint as a recruiter I want to get to the park early because I want to see how those guys are warming up and it's so so often even when we're hosting you know tournaments here on our facility I'll just sit in my office and I'll watch and it's the these are high school guys yeah. They go from the dugout to the baseball bucket to the field, and it's like, okay. Bob Smith uh, was a, a coach on the East Coast. He ran a <laughs> facility in Richmond, but he had been at, a, at multiple Division One schools, and when mm -hmm. I got out to James Madison, uh, he had a great line. He would say, when I went recruiting, I would go watch kids, and I would have a checklist. I, you know, Whether you believe it or not, he said, I had a certain amount of scholarship money that I had set for guys, but then I would cross guys off. Like if they couldn't warm up, if mm -hmm. they couldn't do this, because he's thinking in the back of my mind, well, those are things that I'm gonna have to teach them when they show up. So if I don't have to teach a guy that, it saves me some time, but sure. you will have to teach some guys that stuff, but it does save you some time as a coach if you don't have to teach guys some of those things. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, last question here before I let you go. Um, 
do you have, and you've been coaching for, for a long time now, do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something that like maybe when you were a younger coach that maybe you thought was going to ruin your, your career or whatever that you look back now and maybe it was the best thing that ever happened to you? I have a, mm. a few of those as a young assistant that, that mm. you know what, I thought it should have worked out differently and it didn't. And looking mm -hmm. back now, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I never, I've never, one of the things in my situation here at St. Mary's, I've never worried about losing my job. <laughs> I, you know, I've been very fortunate. Yes. And so, um, but in terms of, uh, the one that always stands out, then this was back in 2000, or well, it would have been, in the 2004, 2005 area, I had a left-handed pitcher who uh, uh, was essentially a walk-on in the beginning, but he threw 86 to 89. He was, we didn't even know he was on campus. We had somebody go, hey, you know so-and-so? Well, no, we didn't even know he was here. And so, uh, got in touch with him, got him out. Well, he was one of these kids that, you know, when you watch him throw, he's that left-handed pitcher that the pitching position is the only pitcher, pitcher I mean, position you're going to be able to play yeah. on the field. You know, just non-athletic. We've all had a few Right, but the arm works, <laughs> you know. Well, he was a hooker, and he toe-tapped yep. within his delivery. And so, and, you know, and at that time, I was, uh, I was, well, I was early 30s at that point, and, and, and I was, that was when I was, I had already been the, the full-time pitching coach here for a couple of years, so. I was like, okay, hey, I'm going I'm to fix this guy. We're going to clean him up. He's going to be a 92, 93 guy, even though he's a non-athlete. And uh, so the first year, uh, and we did, we did weighted balls. And so, you know, and naturally when you add some weight to the throwing, okay, that exposes, yep. you know, a lot of imperfections and whatnot and tried to get him out of the toe-tapping deal. Well, of course, all those were timing mechanisms for him. And then it seemed like at that time, and, and I'd heard this probably from going to convention through the years and, you know, arm action uh, for, especially for a pitcher, well, really for everybody, they've been throwing like that since they're, you know, four or five years old. <clears throat> at this point, when they're 19, 20, you're probably not going to change it a whole lot. And with this guy being a hooker and, and those type of things, I, I really made this kid suffer for about a year, you know, about a year. And it's like, hey, we're going to get through this, going to get through it, just keep fighting. Well, he wasn't having any success. And finally, just one day I went, forget it. I, I want you to go back to what you were doing before. And he, he ended up being a number two for us, you know, by his senior year. It was really good. And, but it was that initial. And so ever since then. And, and that's a credit to you. You know, <coughs> I, I think we all go through that, especially early on in your, your coaching career is, mm -hmm. You do feel like, and in the, your heart's in the right place. You're mm -hmm. trying to make an impact on right. guys. You're trying to, and you can see what they're going to be down the road if mm -hmm. they do this, this, and this. And then as, I think as you get older, you understand that there's certain things that you can probably help and, and clean guys up. Right. With. And then there's certain things that you may have to leave alone just to allow them to have su success. Mm -hmm. But then if they're not having success, then you can maybe tweak some things here right. and there. But that's a credit to you to understand that. And 
you have to have some self-awareness as a coach that, that you may not be able to, to fix everything that, that you feel like you can fix, but that's okay. I think we right. all went through that as coaches that, you know, there's some things that you can clean up. There's some things that you can't do. So. I've never felt like I, I'm not a mechanical guru. Yep. And so, you know, the kids that we bring, and that's the, the, the beauty about college athletics, because we get to recruit our players. And so one of the things <clears throat> I think is important when we are talking to the young men and trying to get them to, you know, want to be a part of St. Mary's University and join our family over here is I, my biggest, well, it's not a biggest fear, but, you know, it's, it's a concern that I don't want them to think that when they come in here that I'm going to clone them. Yep. You know, because there was a reason that I was drawn to you in the beginning. You had success. There were things about you that I liked. I want to, I always reassure these guys, I'm not going to bring you in here and stand you on your head and expect you to throw strikes. You know, so the things that we, we talk about here are stride line, stride direction, and, and glove side. You know, and I think those kind of, those things you can alter, and I believe you can alter them. Um, but the... Like I said, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a mechanical guru on that. And my biggest thing is I want these guys to be athletic and efficient to the plate as much as they can. And so those are things that we talk about quite a bit. But just making sure that the young men know that hey, I'm not, this is not going to be an overhaul change. I mean, there's a reason that we're sitting here visiting right now. So I can see how in middle school and high school, there probably needs to be some direction to where you can kind of clean guys up. But still, I think you're still fighting the fact that they've been throwing like that since they're five or six years old. And and those different looks, guys, have some value for your Absolutely. staff as well. You know, again, hitters, you're, I think you're seeing it now at the big league level. Guys are throwing so hard, but, mm-hmm. you know, big league hitters are so good. If you see straight 97 and 99 every day they're mm-hmm. all going to look the same so there is some value to having a, a submarine left-hander mm-hmm. or a sinker slider guy you know because the the visual for the hitter is different absolutely I think you can find a place for some different guys that have different looks and and it may not be they may not get you through four or five innings but they right. may get you a batter here or a batter there or get you an inning here and inning mm-hmm. there and, and that way you can kind of add some value to your staff with the guys with some different looks too. Well the way we build our, our staff is it, and we've been fortunate you know the last uh, oh probably about seven or eight years is to split our staff from righty to lefty yep. you know so at least when we're making changes we have a completely different you know arm slot location I hadn't haven't had a submarine guy you know we our other assistant coach is always Man, let's drop him down. Let's drop him down. <laughs> that, I think that's a misconception, too. Everybody thinks it's really easy to drop guys no down. One. You have to be really athletic to be able <laughs> to are. do that because, yeah. again, some guys' bodies aren't going to allow them to be able to do that. That's exactly you know, right. <laughs> my, you know, my dad was a longtime coach and really good pitching guy, and I coached for Spanky McFarlane at James Madison. Mm-hmm. Another really, I've been fortunate to be around some really good pitching minds, but – you know, my dad and Spanky both said if you watched a guy play long toss and they were throwing out from the side, mm-hmm. if they were a lower slot when they played long toss, oh, you natural. might be able yeah. to get them to go down if they weren't doing that. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mark McQueen was a longtime pitching coach, was at VCU, but he had the Marshall brothers and Clay Meredith. And, and those were guys that weren't throwing. They were throwing over the top in high school and eventually went from underneath in college. And it did change their careers. But... <laughs> Again, that's not something that you can do. Not for everybody, not yeah, for not everybody. at all. <laughs> at at everybody. All. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you sitting down with me Enjoyed and taking it. the time, so thank you. Oh, no problem. Cool. Here. <laughs>
All right, sitting with Mark Kingston here, head coach of South Carolina, and uh, talking about pro tips here for the convention. Um, if you had one or two tips for somebody that is coming to Nashville this year, what would they be? Yeah, that's to me that's easy because I've been going to these for a long time, and I think some of my um, bigger experiences at the convention and uh, helped me get to where I am today. So number one, I would say try to meet as many people as you can. Um, I remember meeting Rick Jones, one of my mentors, for the first time at a convention. And I remember meeting Jim Morris, one of my mentors, first time at a convention. Uh, and just getting to spend some time with them. And so later on when they have an opening, they remember you if you make a positive impact on them. Uh, so just try to meet as many people as you possibly can. Network um, and just, just let people know who you are and try to get to know people because uh, you know, that leads to the second part of, of the convention is learn. Learn as much as you can. And there's a lot of great learning that can go on in the convention um, from the speeches and from people doing the side sessions. But you also are going to learn a lot if you're at the restaurant and you're having dinner with somebody that you're meeting for the first time. So to me, it's about meeting people and it's about trying to learn as much about the game, about the business, about what it takes to run programs. Um, that's why I think the convention is so great because you meet a lot of people and you also learn a lot of things that can help you, you know, not only for your current team, but as you move forward. Uh, in the profession or, or you just want to stay you may be a guy that wants to coach in the same place for 30 years and, and you can learn something that will help your your team your program for any of the uh, youth parents or, or players that are listening in right now do you have any tips for for the youth side um, anybody out there i know there's a ton of information out there for people on on the internet do you have any tips for, for the youth parents or players out there right now? Yeah, my biggest tip would be to try to continue to learn as much as you can. It's a, it's a simple game, but it's a complex game at the same time. Um, so you need to constantly be trying to learn about the game, whether you're a pitcher, whether you're a hitter, um, on defense, at your position. It's, it's a game where you, you never will learn everything. So you, you need to be a lifelong learner. And whether you're young as a kid or whether you're a coach uh, as you get older, there's always something to learn. So always have that mindset that you're trying to learn. Um, but also by the same token, make sure you're learning from the right people. Um, there are people that, that come and go in our game um, and that have the latest fad and, and it's in this year and next year people are moving on to the next thing. Just stick with the, the really solid fundamentals that stand the test of time and, and try to be around people that are really proven and have a good track record of helping teams develop and players develop. You know, I saw you earlier, you're on the treadmill, and you've had a lot of success as an assistant coach. You've had a ton of success as a head coach. Do you have any daily routines that you do that you feel like really help you? We're all in high-stress positions, high-stress jobs. What, what do you do daily that, that help you, helps you kind of decompress yeah. um, and, and stay, stay healthy, stay energetic? You know, what, what do you have that, that you really like to yeah, do? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I think we all say balance, but I think if we're being honest with ourselves, none of us have work-life balance we all want to we all try to but very few of us do that because there's so much of a demand on the job and, and what's expected of you and the number of people that rely on you so i think you need to attempt to have as much work-life balance as you can um, if you have a family spend every waking minute you're not at your job with your family i mean that's something i try to do um, and Rick Jones used to say this all the time, he didn't have hobbies, he didn't do anything other than he either was at work and working on baseball and improving his program or he was with, you know, with his wife uh, Gina at the time and 
I, I'm, I have a, I'm very fortunate, I have a, a wonderful wife and three kids, and so I'm either doing something to help the South Carolina program or I'm doing something with my family. Um, and how do I stay sane? I, I try to exercise as much as I can, whether it's getting up first thing in the morning and getting on a treadmill or ending the day on a treadmill. You know, some people like to run, some people like to lift, some people um, get on the treadmill, whatever the case may be, I really do think exercise helps to balance you out some and, and alleviate some of that stress that can build up because all coaches have stress. There's just too much that goes on in our business, in, in, in our profession, in our job. Uh, so I think staying active um, from an exercise standpoint really, really helps. Yeah. Do you have a fail forward moment? I like asking that. Do you have something, you know, in, in the amount of years that you've coached that, that, that maybe happened to you that you thought maybe was going to train wreck you or looking back now was maybe the best thing that ever happened to you? Do you, sure. have, a, do you have a fail forward moment? We all do. We all have those moments. Um, I mean, I look back as a player and I was released twice. I was not drafted my junior year. Um, my, my junior year in, in college at North Carolina, I wanted to be drafted and play pro ball very badly, and I was passed over. And, and that, I look, you know, at the time I thought that my life was over. And I look back now and say, thank God I didn't go because it would have been a lot harder to graduate if I had signed as a junior compared to a senior. Um, I still got to play five years of pro baseball, so I look back saying, hey, I got to get my degree in a timely manner and and chase my dream of pro baseball. So I, I thought my life was over by not getting drafted. Time you think something is going wrong, you have to try to turn it into a positive. I think every failure you have to try to figure out, how do I turn this into something I can learn and then be better off because of it. So um, to me, that baseball, you learn from your failures and it either makes you weaker or it makes you stronger. And to stand the test of time, you have to let your failures make you stronger. Okay. And, and last question before I let you go here, and I appreciate you sitting down with me. Um, you know, you talked over in the community clinic about coaches. Um, what do you remember most about your, your youth coaches growing up? You know, what do you remember, like the, the memorable coaches that you had growing up? What do you remember most yeah. about those coaches? I mean, to me, and, and I just said it to the, to the group out here, I think the youth coaches have two, the first two things I think they should focus on are, number one, keep the game fun. Um, the coaches I loved growing up were the ones that allowed us to have fun and run around and just enjoy what baseball is because at the end of the day, it is a game. It's something kids want to do when they're in recess. When they get out of school, they want to go play baseball. And so don't take the fun out of the game away because you're trying to be a major leaguer when you're seven years old. Um, and then second, teach them the game. I think the more you learn the game, the more you appreciate the game, the more you'll stay in the game. So I look back on my coaches at the youth levels saying, the guys that allowed me to, to really enjoy it and, and, and develop that passion for the game that I still have today, and the ones that taught me about the game are the ones I appreciate the most. So that's my that's my always my message when I talk to youth coaches is let them have fun, let them develop that passion for the game because there's so many things that take take our kids away from baseball these days. So make it fun and teach them what they need to know along the way. All right, there you have it. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. Awesome. Hey, uh, grateful and thankful for you all. Um, again, please travel safe if you're coming to the convention. Um, our staff is already down in Nashville, so if you are in town already, uh, please hit us up on the MyABCA app. You'll be able to find us there. Again, this is Ryan Brownlee signing off from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, remember to leave it better for those behind you, and thanks. Oh